Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share their experiences, brilliant insights, and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments within the sport. Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast is presented by Bandit Running. Bandit Running is a performance running apparel brand founded in 2020 by members of the New York City running community. What started off as socks and accessories has grown into a full-fledged apparel assortment. Many of you tuned in for our coverage of the Chicago Marathon. Their Chicago collection was one of the best I saw from all of the brands. Their fall and winter capsule is also a hit. I know it's going to be tough for me to take my new Bandit Sidious Mag hoodie off all throughout the winter. Those aren't on sale yet. However, you can check out all of their tops, bottoms, long sleeves, hats, and more at banditrunning.com. Listen up because this is the best deal you're going to find on the internet from Bandit. Bandit is offering Sidious Mag listeners 15% off all of their orders from banditrunning.com for a limited time through October 31st if you use code Sidious15. Grab yourself some merch. Go grab some miles after that. That's banditrunning.com, code Sidious15. We're also brought to you by Olipop. We've been pounding Olipop for months now, and our gut health has never been better. We know all the trepidation that runners have had for years about drinking soda. Olipop calls itself a new kind of soda. Whether you're a runner, a fitness enthusiast, or just someone who wants to make better choices, Olipop is the perfect drink for you. Olipop is a low-sugar, low-calorie beverage that's packed with prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports digestive health. It comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cold strawberry vanilla, lemon lime, and banana cream. Back in May, there was actually a report that Olipop's root beer flavor is the number one best-selling single-serve root beer. Now, they're coming for the top spot in a new flavor category, ginger ale. Give it a try today. I've got a couple in my fridge, and of course, it's delicious. Sidious Mag Podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders by using code Sidious25 at checkout when they visit drinkolipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and other retailers. So next time you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Feel free to tag us and tag Drink Olipop on your Instagram stories. We love reposting those. Drinkolipop.com, code Sidious25. My guest for today's episode is U.S. Marathon record holder Emily Sisson, who is back for her fourth time on the show. She just finished as the top American and seventh overall at the Chicago Marathon in 229.09, despite battling a side stitch for the final eight miles of the race. Unfortunately, the broadcast did not show much of Sisson's race for the second consecutive year. Last year, she broke the American record in 218.29. And we brought her on the podcast a couple days later to discuss and unpack that race. We're keeping the tradition alive here, and we're breaking down how it all played out this past Sunday for her. Sisson will now enjoy a little bit of a break and then prepare for the 2024 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials on February 3rd in Orlando, where she will try to make her second Olympic team and her first as a marathoner. She's part of a group of athletes meeting with USA Track and Field to try and adjust the start time so it's not at noon in the potential heat and humidity of Orlando. So we discussed that a little bit, plus who she might be watching heading into that race. Without further ado, here is Emily Sisson. All right, welcome back. 
Emily Sisson to the City of Smack podcast. We have a nice little tradition going now. Like after Chicago <laughs> Marathon, we'll we'll catch up a couple of days later. And it's been a few days now. You've had some time to process the result. Seventh place, two twenty two oh nine. How are we feeling? Yeah, overall, I wouldn't say it was my best day, and I'm like ecstatic with the result. But I'm not like overly disappointed either. I think given what I could control and the things, uh, the decisions I could make in the race, I think I made good calls and I'm really happy with that. I ideally going into the race, my main goals were to try to be the top American finisher and then to try to reel in people that had faster PRs than me that maybe went out at 2.11 marathon pace. Um, but actually most people ran pretty smart. And uh, I think had I not gotten that side stitch, I need to look at the results again, but I feel like the best I could have finished would potentially have been like fifth. Like it wasn't, um, in my like goals leading up to it, I was hoping for another podium, um, finish, but it was just such a deep field. I knew I was going to have to have a great day and some people are probably going to have to have off days for that to happen, or just maybe not be as fit as, uh, their PRs. Yeah. We spoke at the press conference beforehand and heading into the weekend, you kind of tapered down a little bit of those expectations, you know, with everyone kind of talking and buzzing <laughs> around times, looking at the weather yeah. saying like, Oh, this is going to be perfect for people to attack the American record. And for like the months leading up to it too, it would be like, Emma was pretty vocal about, you know, giving that mm -hmm. a shot. And so the fans probably were like, okay, we're going to see an American record attempt. What you yeah. kind of broke down was that you wanted to, for this weekend to be about competing. So mm -hmm. how do you feel that you competed in this race? Because, you know, and, and I guess like, what does that mean for the people who may not be as attuned to it? Is that just sort of like, like you said, kind of picking off people along the way? Is it practicing even like the real time feeling of grabbing the bottles, watching your competitors? What does that mean? Yeah, it, it does sound a bit vague, so we'll, we'll break it down. Um, yeah, I I meant it. I was genuine. I didn't, uh, in the back of my head, think, no, I really want to lower the record. Uh, I If it took lowering the record to finish as the top American and, um, and it was within reaching distance and I could try to get on the podium, that like would have been great, but that would have been along the way. That wasn't the, the focus, I guess. Um, so for me going in, I wanted to practice running in a pack that was really important to me because uh, a lot of races i do i'm not really running in packs and it's different um it feels like on the road typically you have all this room and all this space but especially on a windy day in chicago you want to be tucked in and you want to be protected and i like i i just haven't practiced it a ton in marathons so i wanted to tuck in i wanted to kind of hold my space and i wanted to get used to competing against like another american woman that's running next to me because last year it was kind of just running against the clock and it's a different feeling there's not that same um you know pressure to like make uh good decisions to try to like like outrace your competitors so I think it kind of requires a different part of your brain to be firing and yeah so I think I did a good job running in the pack I think uh I made good calls and when things didn't go well I think I handled that well I was happy I actually am happy with how I was able to uh gut out the side stitch for eight miles um my only like my biggest like I don't even know if I'd say let down, but biggest, um, like 
I guess, uh, negative feeling towards the race is I just want to make sure that doesn't happen again, because I've never had a side stitch before and I've never experienced cramping in a race. So, uh, that's my only, uh, thing in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, we need to figure that out. But, uh, other than that, I was still able to run 222, which only a few years ago, I feel like would have been a great day. So, uh, times have just changed so fast. Uh, but yes, I, I am happy with that. I just want to make sure, um, or pleased enough with it. I just want to make sure it doesn't happen again. Listen, I took a lot of notes about the side stitch, so we'll we'll get to that okay. in a little bit. <laughs> um, but kind of to that point, do you get more excited to race domestically here in the States or internationally where uh, I guess you've had the experience in London at the Olympics where you have a lot of these women to chase and sometimes at these, you know, aside from a major marathon here, at the USATF like road racing championships, it's sort of like you're bunched up for a chunk of time. And then at some point you take off and it's up to everyone else to try and catch you. So what brings you the most excitement in racing? Uh, so I, I just love racing in general. I love switching up the distance and, um, like I actually, I, I know there's this, uh, story that I only like flat, fast races, but that's not true. <laughs> so I like switching up the types of races I do. I would say though, that I feel less pressure when I'm competing, uh, internationally. So that allows for maybe a little bit more enjoyment. And, um, especially once you make an Olympic team or make a world's team, the hardest part is it, the pressure is to make the team. And then when you're there, you're not there to have a good time, but like you're there, not with the same, um, I'm trying to think of how to word this. You're there to compete against people on the world stage. You're at the, you're on the stage. So it's not the same kind of pressure. I feel like if that makes sense, like mm -hmm. you want to get there and you just want to make sure nothing goes wrong when you're at the trials or at, um, or at USA's. And that's kind of, I guess that's it. Like, I feel like at the trials or at USA's, I'm like, let's just not let anything go wrong. And when you're at, um, world or the Olympics, or on a big stage, you're not really as worried about what could go wrong because there's so many people around you and ahead of you. You're like, I just want to like, just like lay it all out there. And even if it blows up, you're like, well, whatever, I gave myself a chance. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit different. Um, naturally, I think my approach going into international races is a bit more of a challenge mindset. And I still try to keep that when I'm racing domestically too, but there is a little bit of that threat mindset that kind of creeps in there that I have to kind of manage. So pressure and motivation are two sort of different things. How has the motivation within the marathon changed now that like you're the American, the American record holder? Like we all aspire to like run our fastest, but is, does it feel any different when you're on that starting line and you already hold the record? Um, maybe a little different in that, um, it's not that I don't want to run faster, uh, because I, I do, but it's just not what motivates me to get out of bed in the morning, if that makes sense. So I like, I want to be on a podium, uh, again, at a world major. I want to finish in the top three. Uh, I want to fight for a medal someday, or at least give myself a shot. Um, and I want to be on another Olympic team. Like those are the things that get me out of bed and it's not actually to run 218 flat or 21730 or something, even though that would be great. And I'm not saying I wouldn't be happy with that. <laughs> um, it's just in maybe when um, someone breaks it and the record has lowered, maybe that will be my motivation again. But I think because uh, that hasn't happened yet, maybe that's why it's not. Yeah. Bear me, bear with me then just for one more question on like running fast. Yeah. I know okay. this won't be advised by Ray Tracy anytime soon, but just <laughs> the thought of going all out and seeing how long you could hold that for like it's a major gamble 
obviously you would probably throw away like any sort of place hopes at that point because you're just trying to see how fast you're going and like tickets to Cephas marathon pace average out to what 501 the entire way like yeah <laughs> I've never done that once in my life maybe for 1200 meters but for you I guess like the thought ever cross like all right hammer from the gun how far would you make it I guess at that pace like like that at 501 pace yeah how far would I go at 501 pace <laughs> Well, I haven't done it for a half marathon yet. So I, actually that was my first thought when I saw uh, the world record as I'm like, I need to get the half marathon time down. Um, and I, I think, I think I can get my half marathon time uh, close to that, to that. What would that be? What is that for half? Ooh, I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible at this. That's 65, well, 30. Wait, yeah. what'd she run? No. Cause she ran 60. No, it was closer to 66 minutes. She ran 211. What? 50 something. 53. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. So, I think I can get to 66 minutes to just below it. I think I could do that if I, I, um, focus on it. Yeah. So okay. let me get my half marathon there. I'll do that. There you <laughs> go. That's to do goal. that. <laughs> um, all right. So let's unpack the actual race because unfortunately, once again, we didn't get to see a whole lot of it on TV. Uh, what we did see at the very beginning was you dressed up in your full coat, and just keeping on the layers as long as you could. And then that was mm -hmm. kind of the last shot. What were the final instructions that morning from Ray? And then I guess also, um, you know, how were you feeling on that starting line? Yeah, I do run kind of cold. So I try to keep my body as warm <laughs> as possible before, uh, for the race. Um, I remember last year thinking I'd get warm and I'd take off my like headband and, um, gloves at some point. I never got that hot. Like I never, so I just kept it on. Um, but I, I can't remember what the final instructions were this time. I think it was just something like, you know, just try to like run smart and try to maybe finish ahead of the people that went out too fast and reel them back in. And actually right before my side stitch came on, I saw a woman coming back to us and I was like, great, this is where I'm going to start reeling people in. And then it came on and I was like, nope, we need to slow down. So, um, that actually was, that was probably the last minute advice. So was it helpful in this sense where you had Matt Yano as your pacer, um, a good friend of yours. And that yeah. obviously makes things so much better. Um, but when it came to the battle between you and Emma, it felt like it ended up just being sort of like, all right, we're going to go to 1930 pace and just follow mm -hmm. Matt, shut the brain off a little bit, just keep tabs on like, you know, where Emma's at and where some of your other competitors are at. But it was just bad, a battle of attrition, I think, up until like a, a certain point where, you know, at halfway, mm -hmm. Emma was there and then she starts to have her own troubles, you know, and then you by 30K, you had a gap on her. So, you know, for you, I guess that first half of the race, how did things feel where it was sort of like Emma was there, Matt was there and you were basically just kind of, you know, clicking them off? Yeah, I mean, it felt pretty like pretty similar to last year, I'd say, uh, you kind of just like shut your brain off as much as you can the first half, because you don't want to, you want to get to halfway and be feeling very in control and very good. And I got to halfway and I'm, and that's how I felt. I was, um, happy with that. And I actually never even felt like even before the stitch, I didn't feel like I was overexerting myself. I felt like we were, I felt like we were running like a good clip and it was hard and challenging, but, um, that my body was handling it well. So yeah, it, it helped, I think having, like, I was hoping Emma and I would like push each other and cause 
like racing other American women will bring something out in you that when you only have pacers, you probably are getting that same competitive drive. And unfortunately, we both had things go wrong that day. Um, but like, that's the marathon. <laughs> so, uh, you handle it as well as you can, and then you hopefully bounce back and learn from it and come back stronger. So the first sign of the side stitch mile 18, you said it's never happened before. Describe, I guess, nah. how it felt. So it came on slowly at first. Um, and I want to say it was around mile 18 and I went back and looked at my, uh, my watch and actually 18 is where I started to slow down. Um, it came on slowly and I remember thinking I must just be going through a rough patch. And so I was in last year, I went through a rough patch and I was able to just keep running the pace uh, around the same point, actually around mile 18. But this year I was going through a rough patch and I was like, no, the, like the side hurts. Like it's, it's feeling kind of tight. And I'm like, I, I don't, uh, if I keep running this pace, it might actually get worse. So we just slowed it down a touch. And at that point, Emma wasn't there. It was just me and Matt. And I was like, Matt, I think I'm going to slow it down a little bit. And we slowed it down and it, it felt like a little too easy. I was like, oh, well, I don't want to be running this pace, but the sides, like my side started feeling better. So I was like, oh, that's good. Um, and I think we ran that uh, whatever we were running, maybe like five, like five low five twenties or five twenty five for like a mile or two. And I was like, all right, let's pick it back up. I feel good. This is feeling a little too easy. And we picked it back up and it was at mile 21. I just got this like sharp, like stabbing pain in my right side. And I was, I thought I was gonna have to stop. I was like, this is, I said it out loud to Matt. I'm like, this is so painful. <laughs> and I felt really bad for him because he had to listen to me, uh, like complain. I was like, oh my God, this hurts so much. Um, and so we slowed down a lot and I just needed to focus on my breathing. I was like, just like, I don't know if this is what you're supposed to do. I've never had one before, but I was like, just breathing through your nose, out through your mouth. That, that's what I do. Like maybe that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know. I, I, maybe you're supposed to do belly breathing. I'm not sure. But, um, but yeah, I like slowed it down a lot. And then I was able to find this threshold of where my side still felt really tight and things felt bound up, but I wasn't getting the sharp shooting pains that were like going to make me walk. Um, and so I kind of just had to like, even though like aerobically, it didn't feel challenging. I'm like, I just need to run this pace so I can finish the race. And, uh, I probably gradually kept slowing down cause things kept getting tighter. But, um, I remember thinking that like, I knew Molly Seidel was running in the 222 group. And I was like, I, I didn't want to look at my watch. I didn't want to like get in my own head with how slow I was running. Cause I knew it was the pace I had to run, but I, I knew I was slowing down enough that that 222 group was going to be getting close. And I just was like, well, you have to stay calm. You can't do anything about it. Like <laughs> if you're trying to force it, um, it's like, you're gonna have to stop. So I really just focused on my breathing and, um, tried to run as like comfortably as I could, even though it wasn't very comfortable. And, um, and yeah, so I was able to get to the finish line, which was good. Uh, <laughs> and was able to finish and grit it out. Uh, but yeah, I would like to avoid that in the future. <laughs> What's Matt saying the entire time? He He's did hearing this some... heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I actually was just like complaining. I was, and I was also thinking out loud too, because I, I do that sometimes. And I remember getting to like, uh, what was it? Would it have been 35K? I remember thinking, I'm like, do I want to grab my bottle? Like, would that help? Am I dehydrated? And I was just talking <laughs> and and he wasn't responding. I think he was like, what is she doing? <laughs> but he, he was like um, encouraging me towards the end. And I can't remember exactly what he was saying with something like, you've got this M, like, um, like some stuff like that. Like, he's a really, really good friend of mine. And um, we 
did make a point though the night before the race to make sure we were all on the same page me Matt and Emma with like what we do throughout the race if different scenarios popped up because Matt and I are such good friends that we wanted to make sure it was very much professional still and um and we were on the same page with everything which was good um and it since it was just me and Matt there uh, at that point he was just like slowing down running with me and offering me words of encouragement to help and uh and yeah, and it wasn't even so much what he said, actually, because he didn't talk that much. It was more just having his presence there, I thought was kind of nice um, to just not feel so like lonely. But uh, but yeah, it, so it ended up OK in the end. But yeah, we'll try to avoid it in the future. I was, I was just talking to to Connor and Clayton yesterday and, you know, just kind of I think I wasn't attuned to just sort of like the back and forth negotiations that take place with pacers sometimes of just sort of like yeah. Connor was, I guess he, he was assigned two pacers that were going to be shared with him and Galen. And like, I think Galen wanted uh 63 flat and Connor wanted like 63 through the half. And yeah, they just compromise. I think at 63 15 <laughs> or whatever it was, but um, so it was this time it was just you and Emma that, but have there ever been any other instances where you found yourself just sort of like really vouching yeah. for yourself? Like I, no, I, I've never thought about this. That happened actually once before. I remember me and Molly were um, doing a race or no, was it Molly? I can't remember. I remember that happening before though. And we were like really splitting hairs over the pace and oh yeah, it was Molly. Cause it was Emily Pritt that was pacing us for the first 1200 of a 10k at Stanford. And I think she just looked at both of us like, uh, whatever like, I'm just gonna go run this um but yeah it wasn't about the pace um uh so much this time uh it was more just like we wanted to make sure like we had like the right etiquette and uh like had talked beforehand just so like if we split in the race which is what happened um Matt like knew who to go with who to stay with and we even talked about if one of us was feeling really good and wanted to go faster than the pace that he uh, was running what we would do so we kind of laid that all out there um and talked about it the night before just so uh just to have a plan just to feel good that like no one got uh yeah like no one got the short end of the stick or something <laughs> yeah you guys seem so much more civil and polite than from the way that connor described that you know the elite men sometimes like even in the front race the front of the race can just get super heated because it's you know agents and organizers kind of chiming in but um no it sounds like you guys had a good plan um yeah we yeah the pace was agreed on it was more just yeah the, the other stuff this podcast is brought to you by v.o2 a coaching app based on the science of legendary coach jack daniels high schools clubs and universities from all over the world are having great success using v.o2 since 2017, Marietta High School in Georgia has won a combined nine 7A state titles in cross country. Their coach, Jack Coleman, had the following to say about V.02. The features of V.02 are exactly what I need as a coach. The ability to create group training plans that are individually personalized within each group is my favorite feature. V.02 is offering 20% off their coaching subscription using the code SIDIUSMAG. Download V.02 in the app stores or visit V.02 to start your 30-day free trial. Athletes without a coach can also use the same code to try out their fully automated V.02 adaptive trainer and sync to an Apple Watch, Koros, or Garmin. Leverage the world-famous V.02 formulas and take your running to the next level with V.02. So, all right, so the way it looked after the side stitch hits is 1725 for 30 to 35K then 35 to 40 K in 1756 and then yeah. 801 for the final 
2.2K to close off a 72, uh, 72.38 second half. Compared to some of your previous races, I mean, this could be from the track or anything. How painful was it? How did it compare in terms of just like pain and, and just like the lead in your legs basically at the end? It, well, it actually wasn't as painful once I slowed down. So I just okay. felt like I had, then that's like, it was uncomfortable, but it, the sharp, the sharp pain that I was getting stopped when I slowed down. So, uh, but it was tough. I remember feeling very uncomfortable. Like the discomfort was still there. I felt really bad. It felt like a, like a just constant cramp. Um, and, uh, yeah, it like, I remember when it started to hit, I was like, okay, we only have eight miles to go. That's not terrible. I've done 18. And then I did the math in my head. I'm like, wait, no, that's like 42 to 43 minutes. And I, my heart just sank. I was like, wait, that's so long. <laughs> Cause I was thinking like, I'd already gone so far. I'd run 18 miles. So like eight relatively is a lot shorter. And then I was doing the math in minutes and I was like, oh no, that's not making me feel better. <laughs> so, so I actually did just take it mile by mile and just try to focus on my breathing and focus on staying relaxed. Um, so yeah, it was uncomfortable, but I think there are some races where, um, I feel great and things feel smooth and easy. And there are other races where really early on, like you, you don't feel good and you just have to accept, well, today's a grind and like you acknowledge that. And that actually helps. And so that's what I accepted with eight miles to go. I'm like, this is going to be a grind. And I've done that before. So yeah. I guess every, even, you know, marathoners at, at my level and, and people who just get out there and do it, like could take a lesson from you, I guess. What is the lesson on surviving from the American record holder? That It's like, you can have an off day too. Yeah, I, well, it's funny. I still feel very new to this event. So whenever people ask for advice, I'm like, oh, just give me a few more marathons. <laughs> but I would say the one uh, general general piece of advice I give is just enjoy the parts you're feeling good. And when you hit a rough patch, take it mile by mile. And that's what I did in the race. I enjoyed the parts I felt good. And then the end, I just, I kept counting down. And because I'm in my head, I'm like, I can always run one more mile, like one more. <laughs> and uh, that's what I did. And when I got to mile 25 I was like okay almost there so um yeah just mile by mile uh get it done in practice I guess like you might be in your head a little bit right now in terms of just over the next couple of weeks as you know it's sort of gonna be like Ray let's figure this out so we don't ever get another side stitch again that late into the race but heading into this marathon build up what were the areas of improvement that you really kind of wanted to focus on for this particular race that, you know, yeah, it's easy to look at an American record last year as like, oh, that was an A plus race. But I'm sure you looked at different areas that were like, okay, that's what I want to improve next time. Yeah. So I will say, I don't actually feel like I'm in my head too much with the side stitch. It okay, was good. that time of the month. <laughs> so I, uh, I, and I do want to look at some other factors, but like, um, yeah, it was that time of the month. And so cramps, uh, yeah, cramps can happen. Um, but I want to make sure it wasn't like, uh, being that time of the month as well as something else that made like the perfect storm for it. So I am looking at some videos, of me running, just trying to see like, am I moving? Okay. Is there something like bound up in my upper body? Like kind of all that we've ruled out fueling. So, um, I mean, I, I, it's possible, but we've kind of narrowed it down to a few things. Um, but, uh, yeah, things I did well, I think, um, I was happy to, still a finished top American, um, and run, uh, yeah. And still run 222 off of struggling the last eight miles. 
Um, I think that was good to be able to hold on, hold it together. Not, I didn't panic, which was good. Um, I thought the work went well. I like all my long runs and tempos went really, really well. This build, um, we had a bit better weather in Rhode Island this year, but they were still quite a bit better. So I think I'm getting stronger. Um, and yeah, I think takeaways are like, I handle marathon training. Well, my body really responds to it. Um, the big, the trickiest part for me with marathon training, and it sounds like a good thing, but it's actually something I have to really stay on top of is I respond to marathon training so well, I actually get too fit too fast sometimes. So we have to make sure, and it's not that I'm like crushing my workouts or racing all my workouts. I'm just able to stack really good work, um, week after week. And I'm able to get like pretty fit quickly. And I think, um, we realized that the last build is that I actually do a lot better with shorter buildups, um, just so I don't miss my peak. <laughs> and I think the first two marathons I did, I actually did miss my peak. So, uh, so I think we kind of have figured that out a bit, which is good. And we're aware of that. Um, and yeah, so I think overall we're learning still. Um, but, uh, I think handling everything pretty as well as we can while still learning. So now, you get to enjoy a little bit of a vacation, I guess, before the build yeah. up towards Orlando. Yeah, Shane and I are uh, going to go to Cabo for a few days uh, next week. So uh, just take a few few days easy and enjoy it. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know when I'm starting my build. Um, November sometime, probably. Uh, but I do look at the builds, like not each one singularly. I kind of think they all just go together. So I'm not starting from square one. I'm just kind of starting from another fitness level again. And uh, And yeah, we'll build from there. Does it actually begin sort of in a way where, or I guess moving into this next phase of it, does it, is there like a sit down meeting with Ray? How does it work? Um, we're not usually that phone call. Uh, formal. <laughs> yeah, I do pick up the phone and call him sometimes. I go into his office uh, every now and then. Um, but yeah, I think I did sit down with him actually before the start of Chicago. So we might sit down. We might not. We're not, uh, <laughs> not the most formal. You guys have been um, at it yeah. for so long anyway. Yeah. yeah. I know we just, yeah, uh, maybe, well, maybe we'll do a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So before you even get to go on vacation, I feel like there's this one part of your job as a professional runner and one of the top Americans. Now it's a little bit of like a desk job. You have to sit through a zoom call tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so for the people who may not be as familiar, a letter was put together, I believe in September that garnered, um, 84, signatures from Olympic marathon trials qualifiers. And, um, you know, I think Jared Ward, Colleen Quigley, Sarah Hall, uh, played a role in kind of writing this letter to express some concerns and some points about the Olympic marathon trial start time at noon in Orlando come February. Um, and you're one of the people who signed it and will be on the call. So, I guess for you to have this opportunity, I guess, to, you know, voice your opinions and thoughts to, you know, Max Siegel and, you know, the rest of USATF and some of the organizing committee, I guess, what is your hope, you know, from this meeting? I know there's sort of some big concerns about the weather at the start time and hoping that it could get moved earlier. It caused a lot of discourse on, on Twitter yeah. when it first got announced, but for you, I guess, like what, where do your kind of viewpoints lie in this whole kind of, you know, discussion about the start time? Yeah. So I have a few thoughts on it. Um, it, I'm not for the 1220 start time. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I do run cold. So I, 
like the heat's not the thing that necessarily concerns me the most, but I just think it's not a good idea. So, um, to have a marathon start at 12 20 in the afternoon. And I don't think it's, um, it's something we never, it's, it's something we never do. And so I don't know why we would do something we never do for the first time, um, on such an important day. And, uh, and yeah, after seeing LA, especially, I was a bit skeptical of it. So, um, I am looking forward to meeting, uh, with Max tomorrow. I think that's like a good, like productive first step. And I would mainly just like some clarity on the decision-making and what, um, I don't know, what kind of is like the reason they chose it and like, what is their contingency plan? Cause I know they said they have one, but, uh, like that could mean anything that could mean they plan on moving it or they plan on giving us sponges. So, uh, I would like to have some clarity on that. And I do like in my ideal world, I would prefer a start time around like like 8 to 10 a.m. Um, and the letter says 6 a.m. I actually wasn't on board with that part of the letter, to be honest. Um, and I did want to push it a little later. And I think I'm hoping we end up meeting in the middle because I think 6 a.m. is a bit the other extreme. But I still wanted, I'd rather have my name on a letter saying, hey, this is too late of a start time. I think, um, although it's not guaranteed to be hot, it is a higher chance of it being um like a warmer day there than almost anywhere else you have in February in the US. So uh, we just need to be prepared. And um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to like meeting with him and talking with him and seeing if anything can happen or what, um, or maybe they already have a plan in place too. And they're just not sharing it with us. And I'm not sure why, but uh, hopefully we get some clarity from that meeting, if not maybe a little earlier of a start time. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause 6 a.m. start, even when I read that part, it jumped out to me. I was yeah. like, we want the spectators to be awake. <laughs> yeah, I actually said I went, I did say I wasn't going to sign it if it was 6 a.m. And there was, uh, I think there was so much back and forth. And I was like one of like a bunch of people that signed it. Uh, so I think, I think they did change the wording a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'm going to push for uh, a more normal start time. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'll be the middle road. I'll be like, let's not do 12, 20, but let's not do six. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'll see. I guess like, you know, this is an important meeting and I guess like, it's good to have now because like eventually everyone's blocks are going to start or have just started. So, you know, for you to alter your training to, you know, for really hot conditions or whatever it might be like, yeah, I guess like the, the timing of it is pretty important. It is. Yeah. And I know like, and it sounds like we're being uh, picky with a, like I'm being picky with the start time, um, splitting hairs with it, but no, it is. And I think we're just trying to avoid, um, any extreme circumstances. Um, the other thing I meant to point out was 6am is that's actually before sunrise. And I wasn't a fan of, of that. Um, but yeah, I think some of us are able to travel places. Um, but even for those who can't, if we have just an earlier start time around like eight or nine, uh, there's still like heat training protocol you can do from anywhere with, um, with saunas and with, um, there's actually a few different things you can do, but I thought it was interesting hearing, uh, Lindsay Flanagan talk about her heat training when she used the sauna. I was actually kind of surprised at how simple she made it sound. So I kind of want to reach out to her and be like, is that really like all it took? <laughs> Cause I think she said something along the lines of, um, she would run and then go and sit in the sauna for 10 minutes. I'm like, really? And like, cause you ran great at worlds. I'm just surprised that's all it was. So I think, um, it'd be helpful as well. If there was some of that information shared with the athletes, I think that would be good. Uh, because I think anyone competing at the Olympic trials should be able to, um, incorporate something as simple as that into training. Um, so I think that could be helpful. Uh, I actually might reach out about that now that we're bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, 
looking at the average temperatures in Orlando at that time, like, and then remembering what 2016 was in LA, I was like, if we're really trying to put like a spectator friendly and even broadcast friendly product, like that was pretty like, and I hope we don't have to show like images like that on the broadcast, but I guess we'll learn more in the, in the coming weeks. So now if we do picture Orlando, no matter what the start and finish time will be, if you closed your eyes, I would assume that your dream would be you and Molly go one, two. Yeah. But in that third spot, who are you watching out for? I kind of asked a similar question to Clayton and Connor because, you know, they're the ones who have the two spots, you know, unlocked right now on the men's side. And so, you know, they're definitely going to go into the trials as kind of heavy contenders for that Olympic team. So I asked them, all right, who are you watching in that third spot? And it's, even more compelling and interesting on the women's side because, you know, Molly just had a good one and you can't count her out. Lindsay Flanagan, as you mentioned, you know, thrived in the heat of Budapest and Kira D'Amato still there. Betsy Sena is kind of oftentimes forgotten. So for you, who is this, you know, dark horse person you're looking at in that third for that third potential spot? I mean, even Emma can't be counted out after a rough day. Yeah, so obviously I'm biased with Molly. Like I want, yeah. like me and Molly, great. Um, but uh, I, I won't say like who my favorite runner is. I just think I, I do think Betsy Santa has been flying under the radar, <laughs> and I think a lot of people are gonna have to watch out for her because I even her race in Sydney. I think people overlooked it, and it's a like I think from just talking to friends, I think a lot of people think that course is flat, and it's not. It's really hilly. So the finish like, is like crazy. Yeah, I tried watching it and or like the next day I wasn't up when it was happening and I didn't find the coverage to be that great. So um, I was able to see parts of it, but um, it, it actually was probably better than Chicago. But um, <laughs> sorry, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe cut that part out. Um, but uh, wait, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, so it's actually a pretty hilly course and it was hot that day. I don't know if it was humid. I, I didn't look at that, but it did look warm. Um, so warm and hilly, like I think people look at her time and it doesn't stand out as anything flashy, but that was actually a really good run against some good woman. So, uh, and people forget she's a 30 minute 10k runner. Like, uh, yeah, so I've been kind of keeping my eye on her. I'm like, she's gonna, she's gonna be good, but so is everyone else. It's not, um, there's no locks, there's no guarantees. Uh, I mean, there never is, but there especially isn't now. So, um, so yeah, it'll be a really fun race to watch. And that's kind of my argument with, uh, against the 1220 start time if people think they need to throw more elements at us to make this entertaining I'm like no it's going to be entertaining regardless because it is so good right now um, it'll be a race so yeah all right so fun question to kind of wrap this one up um, we'll go the reverse Sifan Hassan here where she competed at worlds in both you know the 10k 5k 1500 and then six weeks later ran the marathon so for you you just ran a marathon i'll give you six weeks to jump back on the track what are you running for with six weeks of training for the 1500 the 5k and the 10k what oh time wise like what am i running uh the fastest i got my legs turning over this build was 72 second 400 pace so that is (laughs) 15 flat 5k pace so I think ugh, I could probably lo- run low 15 flat in the 5k right now. Okay. Um, That means I can probably run. I Well, what's my PR in the 10k? 30, 48? I'm pulling 30. it up right now as well. Yeah. Just to double check. <laughs> I should know it. Um, yeah, I think, well, I'm, I, I have a marathon on my legs. So 
Mm, yeah, no, question. it's sort of like that's the that's the kind of wild card in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the fastest yeah, you're 30, 49, 30, 49 okay, so, for 10K. So that would indicate I was doing 1200s in like 336 to 338. So I think that would indicate probably around in theory, if I'm not beat up, like I could run under my PR in the 10K, but I'm beat up. So probably I don't know. It'd we'll be see. close. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not super beat up, actually. I just have a marathon in my legs. So like getting the turnover wouldn't happen overnight but we can get it there um i'm taking this question way too seriously uh, no i love it yeah <laughs> um and i don't know if i'd want to happen to 15 <laughs> i just looked this up you don't have a 15 pr on here you have a yeah. mile yeah you've never run a 15 yeah oh, do? i don't think i have yeah maybe i'll do one for fun um but no <laughs> it wouldn't be pretty i'd be so far out the back in the 15 because i don't get my legs turning over at that pace so it'd feel really hard um yeah, I don't know what the 15 I haven't done in so long. I don't even know what that would mean. <laughs> this is a good just kind of mental exercise. And, and I hope you, you'll be thinking <laughs> about it on, on upcoming runs. Um, all right, Emily. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time to do this. And um, I love the tradition we've got going. I'm sure we'll do one um, before the Olympic trials and hopefully a celebratory one afterwards. Okay. Uh, but no, thanks again. Enjoy your vacation and um, can't wait to, to see what's next in store for you. Yeah, thanks for having me on and thanks for, um, yeah, kind of like promoting the, the race and everything and getting people excited to watch. Thank you all for listening to this episode. I love doing this for you guys. I've only got a few asks here to close out the show. Please share this episode with your friends if you think they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. And if you have a moment to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow and maybe helps us get better guests on the show, let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We have a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you guys next time.